Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Well, good morning, everyone. And um, we've all made it out in uh, some, some uh, yeah, very extreme weather to, that last night, wasn't it? So. Great. Okay, so before we begin, let's just pray. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Lord, we just ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal your truth to the hearts and minds of those present, that your truth may challenge any and all unbelief that is harbored in our hearts, and that we might know with clarity your purpose for our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. We are well into the Christmas season, and the season of Advent, essentially meaning preparation or expectant waiting. And of course, um, at Advent, uh, for many, the story that tends to sit front and center of our attention is the story of Jesus' birth. Um, The story that, um, uh, and as Lucas highlighted last week, it's the original Christmas story, despite uh, what others might want to make Christmas. And the lens through which we see it is very much unique. Um, And this week, I hope to help you see maybe another side to that story. So now, I'm sure you can recite with me much of that story from the nativity plays you might have seen over the years. The Bible itself gives an account. Um, Joseph and Mary, who's heavily pregnant, they travel to Bethlehem. There's an angel. Shepherds turn up, probably without their flocks of sheep. Kings follow a star. Gifts are presented, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And at the center, baby Jesus in a manger. And I'm sure it's a story we're very familiar with, but Like a lot of things in life, sometimes we can be so familiar with it that we have always taken aspects of it for granted. So with a renewed focus, I hope we can explore it further today. For those who don't know, I'm married to a teacher, and so I hear how the various nativity plays um, over the years have gone, and sometimes this means that not everything goes to plan. Can you imagine the scene with parents and families gathered around? First, Patrick, a small child, refuses to say his lines. Another child dressed as a sheep decides they want to give baby Jesus a cuddle, and so they take him from the manger. Mary decides not on her watch. Um, Fortunately, Jesus is represented just by a baby doll. And you get this tug of war for baby Jesus on stage. And whilst all this is happening, Joseph is stood with his mouth wide open, yawning, uh, and one of the shepherds has gone rogue. The donkey, furiously waving at his mum at the back of the the room, and the angels, of course, are squabbling as one of them only knows how to shout and not sing. Or in the case of my youngest child, when he was a shepherd, he decides to use his shepherd's crook to hook a sheep around the neck and slowly pull it off stage. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, let's start with the story of Christ's birth, and we can find it in both Matthew and in Luke, but I'm going to read from mostly Luke, probably for a number of reasons. Um, But it's because of how Luke organizes what he tells us. He is clearly interested in the credibility of what he presents. This is something that speaks to me, and I hope it speaks to you. Luke's statement in Luke 1, where he's very clear that he is writing to make certain of the truth. He speaks of rechecking accounts. He wants us to know we have a foundation of truth, a confidence in what is written, and having, in his own words used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. In modern-day language, Luke is essentially giving us 
and evidence-based that is credible and trustworthy. Now, the way Luke is written uses two types of approach. And to help us understand, he uses discourse approach and a narrative approach. Luke's writing is designed for the purpose of presenting a well-authenticated narrative of the early history of the Christian movement. So in the text, you can see both discourse, and to explain that word, it's the way in which language is used socially to convey meaning. And Luke is looking at how witnesses of Jesus have spoken about him. He also then uses narrative. And this is how those events are connected together, are linked together. So he looks at what people have said and how those events are connected or linked in order to present an authentic account of the life of Jesus. By this approach, Luke demonstrates he understands the importance of truth. The Gospel of Luke is speaking to Jews and Gentiles, but Gentiles of a Greek cultural context. And it's important we know that in advance because our understanding of what is presented is linked to what is said and the meaning it represents. So let me give you an example of that. I'm from the west of Northern Ireland. Today, you'll probably hear me say things like par instead of power. Um, so you, that's a little bit of an interpretation for you beforehand. Um, but I speak English, but I say things that my kids don't understand because they don't have the same social and cultural background as me. Socially, um, constructed meaning determines our understanding and our interpretation of something. So let's look at it another way. And Sasha will go to the, the question. What do people call bread rolls? A what? Somebody said a batch, did they? Yeah, a batch over here. Anybody else with a barm? Raise a hand for barm. Yeah. What about a bap? No. A bun? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you call it? Pow. 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 Thank you. Okay, great. Now, I have some data for this because I'm a bit of a data freak um, or geek. Let's have a look. So if we go to the next slide. Where do people call bread rolls bread rolls? Now, this is data from England. It's a YouGov survey. How sad is this? Um, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Cobs. This is where people mostly call a bread roll a cob. What about the next one? This is where they call it mostly a bun. Another one. This is, this is barm cakes. Baps. And less common names, tea cakes, muffins, and a batch. Hey. So how great is that? Okay, so, so essentially our view of what it, a bread roll is called, holds meaning for us. Yeah? And God calls us to view meaning through our created purpose or through his eyes. So to make sure we don't miss anything, um, we want to look really for the layers of meaning. Okay, so that's being said. Let's see what the Bible has to say. And we're reading from Luke 2, verses 1 to 21. Okay. So, at the time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth 
to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to the flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. So, who's begun to make preparations for Christmas? I hope most people by now. Um, Are you someone who maybe leaves it to the last minute? Are you maybe someone who puts decorations up all year round? Uh, Maybe Christmas is a difficult time for you. Or maybe you're not sure why others make such a fuss. Maybe you're someone who gets organized really early. Or maybe you're just not organized at all. Um, I love this time of year. Um, I think it's great. I'm a bit like a kid in a sweet shop. Uh, The festivities, the lights in the dark, the frost, the non-existent snow in Warrington St. Helens area where I live. Uh, You see, I love the snow. And being from the west of Northern Ireland, I enjoyed it growing up. We wouldn't get maybe as much as in Canada, um, but enough that you would regularly get a snow day off from school. You could trudge home in your soaking wet feet through the slush as it melts. Cars have to slow down. The tractors come out, as a part of the country I'm from, and, uh, and move vehicles. And some vehicles get stuck or can't go up hills. Um, we would throw snowballs, and for the odd and lucky victim, we would basically roll them in the snow until they effectively looked like a snowman. <laughs> the unexpected snowfall would disrupt daily routine. It would disrupt norms, offering a new and different way of being, if only for a short time. We've just read in Luke about the birth of Jesus. He is born, an intentional plan of God to disrupt the fallen state of humanity for the purpose of renewal for you and for I, the purpose of restoration for you and for I, the purpose of a renewed relationship with our creator for you and for I. Unlike the snow, Jesus comes into the world disrupting the status quo, offering a new way of being, new life. And unlike the snow, this is not just for a short time, but this is a lasting hope for all eternity. I'll let you into a little secret um, and a, guarded, a closely guarded point of contention really in our home. One of the first items I purchased when I came to England um, was a snow shovel. <laughs> I know, I know, you see, this is what my family do to me as well. They laughed as well. A beautiful aluminium shaft, rounded handle, blue bucket snow scoop with ice-breaking edge snow shovel. You didn't know snow shovels could be poetry until just now. 
All my kids laugh at me because I adore this snow shovel. My wife laughs the most. Um, you see, in the west of Northern Ireland, I'd have to use my dad's old garden shovel. If I was driving, I'd take it everywhere I went when it snowed. I love digging people out of the local supermarket car park when the, sto- when the cars were stuck. I'm sure there were times I was thinking, I hope, so, to, I hope I find someone today who's stuck in the snow just so that I can help them. And to coin a great Irish term, it was great crack. It was good fun. So when I came to England, a snow shovel it was for me. How could I go wrong? It was much better than my dad's old garden shovel. The snow shovel was created for the purpose of snow- shoveling snow. But the bit I didn't appreciate was that it snows a lot, lot less than in my hometown of Oma. Slowly but surely, I realized it wasn't going to get much use, certainly not in this part of England. My snow shovel was created for a purpose, but it never gets utilized. In other words, its purpose is not fulfilled. Slide 10, Sasha. So you see, God's desire for you is that you fulfill the purpose he has for you. Romans 8, 28 speaks of this purpose. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul spoke a few weeks ago as part of his climate control talk about Jesus coming to give life and life in all its fullness, freely available. And in the story of Mary and Joseph, we witness the beginnings of this new life. This isn't just a story, a narrative of the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. God's higher purpose is at work here. Let's look more closely for the layers. Go to slide 11. You see, Mary and Joseph didn't go from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census. Yes, they did in the physical sense, but they went to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus. On the screen, we can see the map. Um, Just again, because I like data, we can see that it's it's an 83-mile journey. It's maybe not conveyed unless we look it up in this way. It takes a considerable amount of time, and we know it took, uh, was it four and a half days, I think, in um, uh, roughly for them to get where they needed to get to. You see, their steps may have been determined by the Roman Empire. That is to say, they were instructed to register for that census. But God's authority of the situation stood above it all. Their higher purpose was established by God. They had made travel preparations, but the purpose of their journey was itself set in order by God himself. I'll even look for a little second. Let's look for more of those layers. So to do this, we go briefly to Matthew's account. And you see, when Matthew gives account of Jesus' birth, he's determined to ensure that we do not miss the importance of the link he makes to the Old Testament scripture. And in order to place emphasis on the significance of this link, he frequently uses the phrase, in fulfillment of. In this instance, Matthew 2, verses 6, he says, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now, if we pause for a moment and we go back a step, Remember the explanation regarding discourse, the cob, the barm, the bread roll, the batch. The people Matthew is speaking to have an expectation that God will fulfill his promise of a savior, someone who will free the people. What Matthew is describing is the equivalent of the bread roll. It is a meaning that is shared among this group of people because he is speaking to a group of people who know exactly what he's saying and more importantly, the connection he is making. That is that this the same Messiah who was foretold by the prophets in the Old Testament scriptures, and he points it out just to be clear. Let's be clear. Micah lived some 700 years um, before Jesus. 700 years 
Uh, and here we have Matthew pointing to the fulfillment of God's promise from that previous 700 years. The assertion is that Jesus, born in Bethlehem, is the Messiah, the one who saves. Jesus was named with a purpose. It was quite literally in his name. We see in the very naming of the child that God is telling us something about him. Before Jesus does anything, God had named his purpose. Do you start to see these layers stacking up? Matthew's core premise is God's promises and his fulfillment of them. His promise to you is he holds a purpose for you that he will fulfill. And you can be assured that God's authority governs your purpose just as God's authority governed that journey for Mary and Joseph. If we go to slide 12, Sasha. Now, let's look at Matthew and Micah side by side. So in this verse, you can see the parallel. I'm going to read Matthew, and you can see that parallel in Micah on the right-hand side. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Matthew makes an intentional and purposeful link. The claim is that Jesus is the living God, the one who, before the foundations of the world, had ordained and established your purpose, realized ultimately through the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ that you would inherit life, life in all its fullness, life eternal, life fulfilled, and experience the everlasting peace that comes from knowing who you are in Christ, coming to a realization that you have value, meaning, and a God-given purpose because you are. Religion asks men, what are you doing? The gospel asks men, what are you believing? Religion is understood as the rules of man that you must follow or you must be seen to follow in order that you might be seen as of having worth. Do you believe you have worth? I'll say it again. Do you believe you have worth? Do you believe you have value? Do you believe you are loved? Do you believe you have something to contribute to others? Do you believe you have a purpose? Do you believe you have meaning? Do you believe you have merit? Do you believe God recognizes who you are and wants to restore connection to you? Do you know you have God-given purpose? Not because of what you've done or your title or your job or your role or who you think you might be, but by accepting the words of Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. By believing, we enter into God's grace so that no man can boast because Jesus comes to us as a gift of grace. In John 3.18, Jesus said that man is condemned because of unbelief. Jesus came to save anyone who would believe in him. The people Jesus came to save wanted a warrior, a political or military figure who would free the people, just like people in our society see freedom as tied to their own will. The people wanted a warrior. God sent them a servant. The people wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire. God wanted to overthrow the, thin, the sin that rules their hearts. Their view was not God's view. Their ways were not God's ways. The birth of Jesus challenges the narrative of unbelief. It challenges the idea that there is no hope. It challenges the idea that you don't matter. It establishes a new narrative, one of God's faithfulness to you and to me, a higher purpose than our own. Your life, you matter, your life matters, and your future matters. God cares about every hair on your head, even when they aren't that bountiful like mine. We are unique um, because we are made in his image. Genesis 1.27 tells us nothing else in God's creation is made in his image, meaning God places a high value on our lives. The world tells us that our worth is found in our appearance, our successes, how much money we make, 
This is the narrative of unbelief, the story of self-effort, of sin. He wants every single person to experience forgiveness of sins, redemption, restoration, and eternal relationship. God dearly loves you. Your existence has purpose. You're of immeasurable worth to God, and your value to him is such that he holds the plan, the purpose for your life in his hand. And just like Jesus being born in humble beginnings, he has set for you a meaningful life. Even though you may consider you come from humble beginnings, he has established for, for your life a higher purpose than your own. Proverbs twenty three twenty six says, Son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. The Holy Spirit will uh, uh, in you open the eyes of your heart to observe God's ways. Look for the layers that God before the foundations of the world set in order, in order in which he considered you. Yes, you. Now, at this point, let's go back to Luke. This time we're reading from chapter 1, um, verses 26 to 35. And this is about the birth of Jesus foretold. And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I don't know about you, but I love this bit. When the angel comes to Mary, he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And before Mary even responds, you can almost see the thought process in her head. Now, just hold on a little minute. Mary phrases it much better than I. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Slide 14. Wait for it. The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary's purpose is made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary's purpose is made possible by the power of the of the Holy Spirit. The lie that the world tells you is that you can become of worth. God says you already are. Advent essentially means preparation. God calls us like the shepherds to draw close and know him and then go out and make him known. He calls us to a purpose that is greater than our understanding. This is not something you do by yourself. This is not something that happens in isolation. This is by the power of his Holy Spirit. So slide 13. So to take away from today, created for a purpose. God will birth his purpose in your life. Remember Mary's words, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled, just as Mary, by the power of the Holy Spirit, conceived and birthed Jesus. So too, God will conceive his purpose within you by the power of his Holy Spirit. This Advent, spend time in preparation, seeking Jesus, that his purposes are born in your life. God will place within you your God-given purpose. Slide 14. God names your purpose. That purpose is not some future possibility. That purpose is a now reality. 
God does not need to put you in a better stable, a better place, a better location, ensure you're more clean. Because for those who believe in Jesus as their Savior, here and now you are a child of God. Here and now you're enough. Here and now you're of worth. And here and now you have value. Here and now you're called to your purpose. Your purpose is to know and to make known, to serve those around you. God's purpose in your life is not just for you, it's for those around you. Jesus came with the purpose to serve, not to be served. Luke two seventeen goes on to say, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And what did the angel proclaim? A savior who is Christ the Lord. When the angel appeared to the shepherds, his first words are, fear not, do not be afraid. God has a purpose for you. Part of that purpose is don't be afraid to share about a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33, And all these things will be added unto you. That is to seek the rightness of God, his order, his ways. And lastly, we're God's purpose is his provision is also God wants to fulfill his purpose for your life Sarah read the scripture from Jeremiah a few weeks ago for I know the plans I have for you plans to give you hope and a future just as God has a bigger purpose for Mary and Joseph and Jesus he has a bigger purpose for us and we have to trust that and then sometimes it's only when we look back at the narrative of our life that we see it God calls us to a purpose that is greater than our understanding that requires faith Jesus was revealed to the shepherds People of humble origin. Your beginnings, however grand or humble they might be, does not mean they will determine your path. As with God, all things are possible. I'll stop for a moment and and just share a very quick story with you. When I first came to England, my wife had come back here to to do teacher training. Um, I stepped behind to sell a house and come along. And um, I I applied for jobs from Birmingham to Carlisle, 100 miles either either direction of, of where her family lived. Um, and I got no response whatsoever. Dejected, disheartening, but God has a purpose and a plan. Um, and when I eventually um, received a job interview, um, that job interview was, was in Merseyside on the world. So I was, I was applying hundreds of miles away just to get across the water. God brings the, the interview to, to, um, uh, to Merseyside. I have that interview, I'm successful with that interview, and that company turn around to me and say, where do you want to work? I was prepared to work wherever they were going to place me. They were asking me, where do you want to be placed? They put me 1.9 miles from Liz's mom and dad's house. I was applying hundreds of miles away. When God has a purpose in it, he, he has the provision. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's provision follows his purpose. Slide 15, thank you, Sasha. When you see God move in your life, When you see the spiritual layers revealed, do what Mary did. Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. As the shepherds explain their angelic encounter, Mary treasures and ponders what is happening. She protects and remembers. She preserves the memory of it in her heart. Slide 16. So to end, as we leave, our thoughts might turn to giving and receiving gifts. I encourage you, to receive the purpose God is offering you. You might think yourself not worthy. You might think you're nobody. You might not deserve the grace or favor of God, but God loves you, has a purpose for you, purpose that you do not need to fear and that he will fulfill in your life. 
If you know Christ, know that you're a legitimate child of God. Let's pray as we close. And so, Heavenly Father, thank you for your guidance and protection upon each person's life here today. Thank you for where um, they are today, uh, that they do not need to be afraid. Grant them the wisdom to know what you plan for them. Let, you, let them find favor in your eyes. Let them seize your blessings and goodness upon their lives. May your purpose for their lives be fulfilled and grant them the strength to work for your glory. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.